Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. Uh, so good morning, my name is Sam and I've been coming to church, I was trying to work it out actually, I sat there, about 23 years to this church, uh, so I think I've only got the Kirklands maybe and the Kings to, to move on and then I'm the longest serving person here possibly, Stu I think has got it on me as well, um, but I've been coming here for a long, long time um, and this is my third preach I think in a while, um, my job, I'm a head teacher of a couple of schools, I've decided to be careful what you preach on, because the last time I was preaching, it was on ambition, and I ended up with a second headship. So I'm going to be talking about um, someone giving everything up to follow their mother-in-law to a different country. I'm feeling slightly nervous this morning as to what might happen, but I'm sure it will all be fine. So I'm talking on uh, the book of Ruth, and particularly um, the Ruth the, the woman in the book. Um, about a week ago, Simon said to me, how's it going? I said, well, do you know what? The character of Boaz, and he went, that ain't Ruth, is it? I went, I'm not talking to you again about my preach. Um, but we've got this story of Ruth, this amazing woman of the Bible, and I've called her a woman of God. And a bit like Judith talked so well on Esther last week, the book of Ruth, it's one of only the two that have got her and named after a woman. It's a great family saga, focusing unusually on women. Nobody knows who wrote it. I like to think it was a woman. Um, I think that the perspective that it gives and the priority that it gives to women in the book, it feels like a woman who told the story personally. If you've not read it ever or you haven't read it recently, it's only about 15 minutes, don't read it now, Um, but uh, perhaps after I've spoken you might want to um, find 15 minutes to give it a read. It's about God's salvation, it's about God's hope, and I think, which is what I want to try and pick up on this morning, Ruth gives us great examples of how to live a godly life whether you're a man or a woman. I've loved this series on these great women of the Bible. Um, A while ago, my lovely Elaine, who's not here, Elaine Bond, she gave me this book, A Lineage of Grace. And it has got five short stories in here. So it's Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and Mary. And it says, five unlikely women who changed eternity. Ruth changed eternity. We'll have a look. Um, but if, you know, that's a great book. It kind of puts it into like a nice narrative, which I just love. The book of Ruth is full of contrasts. Bereavement, lots of bereavement, with loyalty and companionship. Difficulties with kindness. Leaving home with then returning home. Famine and harvest. It's amazing in the Bible how famine and harvest represent something about uh, God's place with his people. Vulnerability and security and hopelessness and salvation. So there's four key themes that I'd like to look at. And if we have them up on the screen, that'd be great. I think Ruth shows us loyalty, trust, how to be respectful. And she shows us that that can be rewarded. So let's think first of all about loyalty. The story of Ruth really begins with Naomi. And I've decided that I'm going to leave the, name of lots, the names of lots of the men out. I could pretend it's because they're not really key to the story, but actually every time I go to pronounce them, I say it differently. So I'm just leaving the names of the men out, okay? Um, so it's not a feminist statement, it's just saving my embarrassment. Uh, so right at the beginning, we've got Naomi and her husband, and they live, if we can have the map, they lived um, in Bethlehem, it's a lovely link there with Jesus, they live in Bethlehem in the land of Judah. 
And at that time, there was a famine in the land. And Naomi's husband decided that they were going to leave Bethlehem and they were going to travel. And this is thought to be the probable route. I actually thought it'd be quicker just to have nipped across the Dead Sea, frankly. But I'm sure there were mountains and dangerous roads um, in play. And sat-navs obviously took them on the, the most appropriate route. But uh, Naomi and her husband and their two sons left their homeland. And the wording in the Bible makes it sound like it wasn't a planned um, for the duration. It was a temporary move. And while they were there, there was the first bereavement. And Naomi's husband died. Now, Simon and I are in a position where with both our mums, they've both lost their husbands. There's been bereavement in our family in terms of that that figurehead in the family um, going. And it's, you know, in Bible times, to be a widow was a very difficult position. We've just seen our mums just struggle in general to not have their husband anymore and to feel isolated and lost. So Naomi lost her husband... Her two sons had married uh, women from Moab. So they had married Orpah and Ruth. Interestingly, in the Bible, it doesn't tell you which son married which woman. I thought that was interesting. Anyway, um, and then her two sons died as well. So for Naomi, she's lost her husband, and then she's lost both her sons. Um, I read something recently. Someone was saying they hoped that difficult times would make them better people, not bitter people. And I think Naomi probably there had a lot to want to be bitter about. I think Naomi would be a great Bible study, by the way. She's a very complex woman. So there she is. Naomi's left in Moab with her two daughters-in-law. And she makes a decision, understandably really, to go back to her homeland, to go back to Bethlehem um, to be with her family. And she's going to take her, um, her two daughters-in-law with them, with her. It's only once she started that she changes her mind and she says to the two girls, um, who must have been quite young, it was 10 years on since the, you know, the, 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 the husbands had died, so they're probably early, well, 20, I guess you've got married at 16, maybe 26, 27, and she then says to them, don't, don't come, don't follow me, you stay here with your families, with your mums uh, and with your families and your gods. And it's at this point that we see, um, I think for the first time, Ruth's character and the loyalty that she then shows to Naomi, her mother-in-law. Now let's just talk about mother-in-laws for the moment, shall we? Um, in our culture, um, mother-in-laws are an interesting breed um, that, that, we like to, that we do like to joke about. Simon has his mother-in-law coming back for lunch after this, so he can put all this preach into good use when she arrives. Um, I couldn't find any evidence that in Bible times, mothers-in-law were, had the same sort of setup, but, but obviously it would have the potential to be, um, to be tricky. Got some lovely jokes here. I had, to, I had to get a couple of mother-in-law jokes in. What's the difference between outlaws and in-laws? Outlaws are wanted. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Fred and Rick were in a pub. Fred says to his mate, my mother-in-law is an angel. Rick replies, you're lucky, mine's still alive. And then my final one, which is um, a little bit longer. A man, his wife, and his mother-in-law went on holiday to the Holy Land. While they were there, the mother-in-law passed away. The undertaker told them, you can either have her shipped home for £5,000, or you can bury her here in the Holy Land for just 150. 
The man thought about it for a while and decided that he would actually have her shipped home. The undertaker was quite surprised. Why would you do that for £5,000 when you could just have her buried here for 150 The man replied, a man died here 2,000 years ago, was buried here, and three days later he rose from the dead. I just can't take that chance. <laughs> now... I do have a mother-in-law. If we can just skip on a couple of slides. One more, that'd be lovely. And here she is. Now look at that. That is my mother-in-law with a boy who knows he has got special son status. Look at his face. It's like, you can't touch me because I have got my mum to look after me. I have to say, my mother-in-law is amazing. And um, when I hadn't, you know, hadn't long known Simon, and she was starting to talk to me about her faith, and I remember her saying to me that her favourite book of the Bible was Ruth. And I was really encouraged by that. And that was part of um, the reason when the, 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 the women of the Bible came, came out to, um, you know, for us to preach on. I thought, actually, I want to preach on this for my mother-in-law. And unfortunately, she's away at the moment. Otherwise, she would have come. Um, so I have little to complain about. But that just shows, I think, you know, what, we, what we can be up against. Um, but I think for, for, for let's think about this idea of, of loyalty for Ruth... Number one, Naomi was only her mother-in-law, okay? She was only her mother-in-law. So that was one reason why it had been very, very easy for her not to have followed her back to Bethlehem. There was also the fact that for Ruth, she was now a widow. The Bible gives no indication that at that point she had any children. So she was without a husband and she was without, without sons, most importantly. No children, but particularly no sons. So for her, it would have been much, much safer for her to have stayed, um, stayed back you know, in Moab with her family there to protect her, potentially to find her another husband. Also, if she went, oh, I've got the map there now, but if she went all the way back to Bethlehem, she would then become a foreigner. And in Bible times, we know that foreigners were comparative to widows and orphans as somebody who was particularly vulnerable. Plus, there's a little bit of Bible history in there that the king of Moab had been um, sort of in, um, terrorizing the people of Israel for a long time. So she wouldn't even have been a particularly welcome foreigner, a bit like perhaps of England. Uh, English people went to Iceland or so on at the moment, who, where, where it would have been most tense. She was also prepared to leave her own family. I think that's a massive thing to be able to do, to leave your own family and to leave your own country. And I was trying to get it in perspective for me. I thought that would be a bit like if um, Simon's mum and dad had come across from, oh, I don't know, Ukraine. Over they'd come, that the father had died I'd married Simon, he then died, and then I was going to give everything up to then move to a different country and leave my family, my friends, what was known to me, to, to support somebody. But that is what Ruth was prepared to do. She was incredibly loyal, incredibly loyal. She knew how vulnerable her mother-in-law would be without a husband, without sons. Okay, and if we just have a little look, um, look up here, we've got this idea that yes, she was going to be an in-law, the fact that she was going to be a widow, the fact that she, would be she was childless and a foreigner, and yet she was still prepared to, to move. And I love this, this next bit, if we can have a look, it's a um, lovely passage from Ruth, we can just read that through together. It says, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you, where you go 
I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Loyalty to Naomi also led to a loyalty to her country and to her God, which meant that Ruth, through her loyalty, then had a role to play, amazing, in God's unfolding covenant with Israel, this lineage of grace that this book here talks about. Boaz later on recognizes the loyalty that she shows to Naomi. I love it. In, in this, this book, one of the Bible of, of Ruth, it says in verse 14 um, that Ruth clave unto her. Um, so in Genesis, it talks in the Bible, in Genesis, it talks about when a man leaves his parents, he leaves them and then he cleaves to his wife. You leave and you cleave. You join in strong and um, unending relationship. In Deuteronomy, uh, the people of Israel were encouraged to cleave to God. And so Ruth, she was going to cleave to Naomi. Really, really powerful. So my first question then for you to think about is can we make this our prayer, not necessarily to our mothers-in-law, but can we make this our prayer of commitment to the Lord? Can we pray to him, where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Think about the work that Joe's doing with Cap. God, your people will be my people. What a powerful prayer that could be for all of us. And if I can just say on cap, a slight aside, I would always have that phone number ready because I was just talking to somebody at school the other week and they started to talk to me about financial difficulties. I said, let me give you this number. So I'd get it in your wallet. Okay, that's a little aside. Okay, so first things first then about, about Ruth, full of loyalty. The next one, if we can move on, is trust. We can learn a huge amount from Ruth about trust. My mother-in-law might listen to this. I'm not quite sure. So I don't know whether to tell you this next story or not, but I will. Just don't tell her if you see her. Um, there's this idea of, um, throughout this next sec section of the book, where Naomi gives so much advice to Ruth. Some people might say it was amazing advice, it could be argued as blatant interference. It depends how you, how you view on it. I have to say my mother-in-law has hardly ever, ever, ever interfered in our marriage. I don't think so. I could think of one occasion. It's quite funny. I actually think it's quite funny. Um, advice, yes. Interfere, no. And when we moved into Hogarth Close when we first got married, there was a tree in the front garden. And after a while, we all tw uh, twigged. It was a laburnum tree. Um, you know, so there's lovely yellow dangly flowers. Poisonous, apparently. And uh, my mother-in-law decided that it was going to be very dangerous to any future grandchildren. <laughs> um, so the ones who already existed and any others that might happen to arrive. So one day, Simon and I came home from work and the laburnum tree had gone. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. It was, it was quite funny. We did have a laugh about it. They bought a hibiscus tree to go in its place. So she'd already got that covered, non-poisonous. It was all fine. 
that is it in all the time I've known her, that there was a, an, an interference, and actually we, t- we tended to find it quite entertaining, really. Um, throughout this story, Naomi, I think, gives really great advice as opposed to interference. When they get back to Bethlehem, it caused quite a stir, and she, um, she said, you know, because Naomi had returned, and Naomi said to Ruth, go to the fields. Go to the fields and start gleaning. When that went well, she told us, stay in, um, in Boaz's field. Stay there. And then as time went on, if you can have the next slide, that'd be great. She then um, says to Naomi, right, I'm now going to find a home for you where you can be provided for, and this is what you're going to do, okay? So, um, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you'll be well provided for. Now, Boaz, with whom, whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, and don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying, uncover his feet and lie down, He will tell you what to do. Ruth answers, I will do whatever you say. So I have skipped a bit of the story out. I will go back to it. So once she's arrived in Bethlehem with Naomi, Ruth does whatever Naomi asks her or tells her to do. So if we look at the next slide, let's see what we can learn from Ruth about that. Number one, she commits to it. So when when Naomi tells Ruth to do something... Ruth does it. She commits to it. She gets on and she does it straight away. One of the instructions, it says in the Bible, she did it straight away. She just gets on and does it. She accepts the superiority in the relationship, the age, the local knowledge, knowing that that Naomi's got her best interest. But Ruth is able to accept that and therefore to act on it. She trusts her. She doesn't question the instructions she doesn't need a game plan. We have a joke in our house where one of us might say, oh, can you just bring up the hoover? And the other one says, why do you need it? Oh, do you need to question the game plan? <laughs> on those little things, we always laugh at that. When we just ask one person, the other person to do something, it's like, oh, why, why do you want me to do that? I do it, we both, we both do it. Don't, she, doesn't question the, she doesn't question the game plan. She trusts her completely. She hands over control properly. She hands over control to Naomi. I could tell you stories about reading maps in cars, um, the pair of us, but I won't. Handing over control properly. Not just a bit of control, all of the control. And also, this idea of humility. Okay, real humility. If we can have the next slide up, I found a picture. Um, It's not Bible times, it's more 18th century, of women gleaning. So when they arrive in Bethlehem and Naomi says to Ruth, go and glean from the fields, that's really hard work, really hard work. You're scrabbling around, it's going to be back-breaking, and it's dangerous. Although gleaning was set up really for for the widows and the orphans to make sure they had something to eat, women were vulnerable in those fields for men. But still Ruth did as she was told. She trusted Naomi. So my second question is, can we be like Ruth was with Naomi? but ourselves with God. Please don't think I'm comparing Naomi to God. I'm talking about the the ability to trust. Can we be humble? Can we hand over control? Can we do what God asks us to do straight away? Do we question the game plan? 
Do we need to see the longer term? Oh, God, that's why you want me to do it. Oh, okay, then, I'll do that. Do we need that? What can we learn from Ruth? God is in control. He gives us hope, but he doesn't save us from difficult situations. As I said, I took on a second headship, which I've got two and a half weeks left to um, finish off. And it has brought me to my knees at times. There have been times when I've wanted to pick up my bag and literally walk out. Uh, there have been times when I've driven to, to school and not wanted to get out of the car when I got to the car park because I knew the day was going to be so, so tough. But you know, I've put worship music on in my car more as a result of that than I have done at other times. God's got his long-term salvation for me sorted. It doesn't mean he's going to remove all difficult situations, but I've got to trust him, just like Ruth trusts Naomi. Okay, last two then. Being respectful. Ruth was incredibly respectful to Naomi, to social conventions, to Boaz, and to Naomi's God. That was shown in her language. So, my Lord, when she met Boaz, um, her body language, she knelt at his feet. She recognized that her place in the, in the social setup was that she was less than his servant girl. Her actions, she was prepared to go and do a blimmin' hard job, which was going to put her at, at, at risk to, just to feed her mother-in-law. What happens as a result? Boaz recognizes her. He understands who, who she is. He feeds her. He um, sends her home with loads of extra food. He also, um, I love this, she's left in, like, in peace. He says, you know, you, you, you stay in our fields. You stay in the fields with us. And um, you basically, he told people to leave stuff on the floor for her. Okay, so she wasn't gleaning. She was gleaning as she went along. That is what happened because she was respectful. Do you remember in that last bit, I, I was talking about the fact that she um, followed the instructions and, of Naomi, and Naomi sent her to the threshing room floor uh, to go and to lie at Boaz's feet. Um, and, and then this is then what happened. So if we can have the next bit up, that would be great. I am your servant, Ruth, she said, because, of course, you know, she's, gone, she's, she's now done this last bit. She's been super respectful, and she's now gone to the threshing room floor. She's at his feet, and he's woken up. Who, you know, who's there? I'm your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that with which you showed earlier. He means to Ruth, uh, sorry, to Naomi, coming to a new land. Not earlier that day. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of character. Although it is true I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. She's being absolutely respectful. When she goes and lies at his feet and says, spread the cover of your garment, what she's saying is, I need your protection. Okay? At that time, if a, a relative was going to marry a widow, they would, put, um, they would spread their garment over the, over the woman. So what she's saying is, you do it. I, I'm here. I, I want to get married. I'm available to marry you. 
And because he is her redeemer, and we'll look at that in a minute, um, she's completely justified in doing that. Her actions are not improper. She's done everything by the book since she arrived in Bethlehem. So my third question is, are our own actions always godly? Always godly. She was known, according to Boaz, she was known to be an honourable woman by everyone in the town. What a great thing to have for, for, for ourselves. Neil Kirkland, he's an honourable man in the town. To have that on your gravestone. They were honourable in their business. They were honourable in how they dealt with their family. They were honourable in how they dealt with their friends. What an amazing thing to have. If we did that old um, question of, if up on this screen now, all your thoughts and actions for this week were to come up, would you sit there or would you run? <sighs> I'd run. Ruth was godly and she respected the rules and she followed them. And then we come then to rewarded. So I'm nearly finishing off. Nearly finishing. I am finishing. I'm nearly there. She was rewarded. This expression of the kinsman redeemer came from a Hebrew word, which I'm not even going to bother trying to pronounce, um, which talks about one who redeems or protects the rights of, of, of a family member to rescue in the event of misfortune. So at that time, if you were a widow, then somebody in the family, there's like a strict hierarchy, could then be your kinsman redeemer and they could rescue you. They could save you. Boaz isn't quite first in line. He's second in line. So when he recognizes what Ruth, that A, Ruth has been honorable, um, he can see what an amazing job she's done with her mother-in-law. He wants to marry her. He wants to, to honor her. And he wants to take on that role as redeemer. But there's one other person um, ahead of him. So he arranges to meet them in the marketplace with witnesses. And he offers them, very quickly, Naomi's land. Um, and they said, oh, yes, 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 we'll take the land. So that's absolutely fine, but you need to take Ruth as well. Very clever the way he did it, at which point that person's like, oh, I'm not so sure. It doesn't go well with my interests. So therefore, Boaz was unable to become the redeemer. He could then redeem Naomi's land, and it meant that should he and Ruth have children, a son, then that the land, the name would carry on. He was redeeming the family. I love this idea of the Redeemer as an image within this story, bearing in mind that when Boaz and Ruth marry, the line continues all the way down to David and therefore all the way down to Jesus. What a neat, what a neat way in which God works. Boaz reflects the Lord's own role in redeeming Israel. How fantastic is that? If you're reading this, this story... In times of difficulty, when it was first written, Boaz becomes almost like a picture of God for those who are struggling to understand it all. Fantastic. There was a lovely bit there of red tape as well, <laughs> where to seal the deal, Boaz has to take his sandal off and pass it across. I love that. I just... Why, why, who came up with that at that time, I don't know. But the sandal was exchanged and uh, Naomi and Ruth were therefore redeemed. What I love is, is what happens, the response that comes from the people around them. If we can have this next slide up. 
Um, so Boaz, Boaz, Boaz sorry, took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. We have not been left without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons, seven sons, pretty good going in Bible times, I have to, seven sons with special son status, really good going, has given, him, has given birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. The prayers that were said at that time were forward thinking and outward looking. And I have to say, the women had bigger prayers, if you read it all through, than the men. The men said to him, may the woman, Ruth, coming into your home be like Rachel and Leah. Okay, so um, loved and fertile. May you, Boaz, have standing um, and be famous in Bethlehem here. The women said, may he become famous throughout Israel. How big are our prayers? How big are our prayers? Do we pray like the women here? The men fade into the background at the end of this story. The women prayed for something big. How big are our prayers at that end bit? I'm also quite pleased I managed to say Obed. I always feel the need to say Obed, one can Obed, but uh, that's always in my mind. Okay, so let's just recap and have the final slide up. And these are the things that I think you might want to talk about in connect groups this week. I think the story of Ruth, I think Ruth's story, Ruth's story, Ruth's character, Ruth's personality shows us how we can have a better relationship with God. I also think a lot of what Ruth does shows some of God's own characteristics as well. But I think we can definitely use Ruth's actions to help us live a better life. So loyalty. The first question that I asked you was, could you use Ruth 1.16 as your own prayer? Your people are my people. I will go where you go. Can we pray that? The second bit was Ruth's incredible ability to trust, to trust her mother-in-law, to trust her mother-in-law. Can we trust God as Ruth trusted Naomi? Why is it that we can struggle so much to give up control? Being respectful. Are our actions always godly? Could they be put up on that big screen next week? I'm sure Ruth's could have been. Mind you, there probably were odd moments. She probably didn't feel quite as perfect, but uh, we don't read about them. They're not there. Could we be as godly and rewarded? We are rewarded. We've got our amazing, amazing redeemer in the Lord. So how big are our prayers? That fabulous song that was put on when we did communion. You know, this idea that if God is for us, what's the problem? How big are our prayers? 
So as you go this week, I'd encourage you to sit down and find 15 minutes to read the book of Ruth again or for the first time and to think about those questions and to see if any of those things prompt something in you. Okay, thank you. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.